Are you being influenced? If you watched a blockbuster film in the last decade, then there's a chance it's been influenced by the Chinese Communist Party. Here's the reality. The CCP may be running the largest influence campaign in history. In Hollywood Takeover, brought to you by the Epic Times, investigative reporter Tiffany Meyer reveals how the CCP exerts control over some major studios. Don't miss the most important documentary about Hollywood yet. For a limited time, watch the first 10 minutes for free at hollywoodtakeover.com slash jesse. Pure Talk, my sponsor and my wireless company, is now providing international roaming to over 50 countries. As you plan your summer travel, make sure your wireless company covers you at home and abroad. Unlimited talk, text, and plenty of 5G data for just 20 bucks a month. That's less than half the price of Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile. Go to puretalk.com slash jesse to make the switch today and save an additional 50% off your first month. That's puretalk.com slash jesse. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Jesse Kelly here. If you're in a situation where you feel threatened, instinct may drive you to reach for lethal means immediately. But we all want to avoid the irreversible consequences of deadly force. Enter the Berna Less Lethal Pistol Launcher equipped with tear gas and kinetic ammo to incapacitate an attacker for up to 40 minutes. It's legal in all 50 states, requires no background checks, and can be shipped right to your door. Visit Berna.com slash Jesse now for an exclusive 10% discount. You know, your house smells. Don't get mad. Don't get mad. My house smells too. I'm not, I'm not indicting you. I'm sure you keep a clean home, but just time means you're going to acquire smells. Whether those are cooking smells that get in your paint, your carpet. Maybe they're animal smells. Maybe you're a smoker or someone else was. Just living creates smells. I didn't realize that my home had a smell to it until I got my first Eden Pure Thunderstorm, the greatest air purifier I've ever ever owned in my life. This thing, I had it plugged in for two hours. I came back in the room and my air smelled so clean. I now own three of them. I'm not making that up. This thing has absolutely changed me on top of what it's done for my allergies. Go get one. Get two. Be like me and get three. Go to EdenPureDeals.com. Make sure you use the promo code JESSE. That gets you 10 bucks off and free shipping. EdenPureDeals.com, promo code JESSE. I have to admit, I find Russia to be a fascinating place. 
I find dictators to be fascinating people. Oh, I, I don't think it's a good place. It's certainly not a better place than here. And dictatorships are nothing I would ever want to live under. But I do find them to be fascinating. And Russia fascinates me. We never talk about it anymore, do we? We've put Russia out of our minds for some reason. The only time it's even brought up is when hysterical idiot journalists talk about uh, Russian collusion, which turned out to not be true at all. But what are they? What were they? Maybe we should take a little walk back through what they were, trying to figure out what they are. Remember, a long, long, long time ago, 1200s or so, Russia wasn't really Russia. It was just a bunch of different city-states. And then they got united under the czars. The czars lasted for a long time. Then something called communism started brewing in the world. And they had a gigantic revolution during World War I. Czar's gone, commies come in, and communist Russia was a thing for a long, long, long time. They took on the Nazis with us, and there are a lot of people who argue we should have been fighting both of them. I don't know that we could have done that at the time. And remember, let's, in all fairness to the dirty Russians, Look, I'm, I don't like Russians. What do you want me to do? Well, the country as a whole, I'm sure the people are fine. Once you get them out of that vodka and do stupor, quit. We can make jokes on the show. But I don't have any problem with that. But let's, let's remember, they were outstanding in World War II. Seven out of eight Nazis killed in World War II were killed by the Soviets. It's true. And then all that nasty communism, Cold, World, Cold War stuff that came after as we let them gobble up way too much with our, I don't know, inadequacy, if you want to call it. And then eventually we got the great, the great Ronald Reagan stood up and finally called them what they are. Yes, let us pray for the salvation of all of those who live in that totalitarian darkness. Pray they will discover the joy of knowing God. But until they do, let us be aware that while they preach the supremacy of the state, declare its omnipotence over individual man and predict its eventual domination of all peoples on the earth. They are the focus of evil in the modern world. As I urge you to beware the temptation of pride, the temptation of blithely uh, declaring yourselves above it all and label both sides equally at fault, to ignore the facts of history and the aggressive impulses of an evil empire. It's what they were. Now, the question is, that's what they were. What are they now? Well, I, I, certainly, I certainly don't think... I just developed a lisp there on national television. I certainly don't think they are the good guys. Bad guys still. They're not communists anymore, though. When that whole communism thing ended, it ended as most purges end. It ended ugly. And it became a country that descended into essentially a big oligarchy where you had a few business guys control the entirety of the industry in the nation. Russian organized crime became a huge thing. It was just a big, ugly thing. And along comes a man named Vladimir Putin. I find his rise to power to be fascinating. I find him to be fascinating. I've read several things on him, and I think he does a lot of this stuff for effect. 
but I read something from a journalist one time. His name escapes me because I don't do research for the show. And the journalist was, of course, driven to some icy bunker to meet with Putin where he had a bunch of gigantic, scar-faced Russian bodyguards surrounding him, said it was the most horrifying thing in the world. Whatever he is, rising up through the ranks like he has and seizing complete control, which he has, over a nation the size of Russia is... Something impressive? Are we allowed to use that word for a bad guy? And he is a bad guy. He is the Russian's Russian. He thinks of himself as very old school Russian. We know we don't even bat an eye anymore. When's the last time you batted an eye when you saw Russia had somebody killed? Political opponent, someone in another nation, an oligarch, one of those oligarchs who stepped out of line? There's a famous story about Vladimir Putin calling the oligarchs in once he, once he seized power and standing in front of them in a room and said, I've got a big stick and I'm only going to have to use it once. Not all those guys lived over the next few years. It was a vicious dude, vicious empire, but ambitious. Ambitious when it comes to their space program. We'll talk about that tonight. Ambitious when it comes to their nuclear program. And I realize we're, but we're all used to that by now, aren't we? You're used to us having 8 trillion nuclear weapons and Russia having 9 trillion nuclear weapons and China has them. You're used to that, but think how odd that alone is. You're used to a single nation, and in the case of Russia, a single individual possessing the power to destroy the world. That's a little creepy, right? And not only does that exist, it's not going to change. There's nothing we can do to change that. We can't reverse that technology. China possesses the technology to destroy the world. Vladimir Putin possesses the technology as we speak. If he wakes up this morning, maybe he's got a hangover, a little bit of a bad mood, and just decides he's going to end it all for everybody. He can. Creepy, right? And they're aggressive. Mattis talked about it. We recognize the reality of what we deal with with Mr. Putin, and we recognize that he is trying to break the North Atlantic Alliance, and that we take the steps, the integrated steps, diplomatic, economic, military, and the alliance steps, the working with our allies to defend ourselves where we must. Even in the worst years of the Cold War, President Reagan and Secretary Schultz were able to work with Russia, the Soviet Union that at that time, and reduce the uh, nuclear weapons. So I'm, I'm all for engagement, but we also have to recognize reality and what Russia is up to, and there's a decreasing <coughs> number of areas where we can engage cooperatively and an increasing number of areas where we're going to have to confront Russia. That's not good. I realize that was from a while ago, but it's not like things have changed. Vladimir Putin's still there, and I don't know. Call, call it a hunch. I'm guessing he's going to win the next few elections, too. For some reason, he keeps pulling those off. <laughs> sure, I'm sure it's all on the up and up. And by the way, back to what we talked about in the beginning about Russian collusion. You know what's really funny about that? Donald Trump has been outstanding when it comes to containing Russia. Outstanding. You know who sucked at it? Obama. But there's been no administration to hold the Russians accountable in the way this one has. I only wish... Former Vice President Biden had 
held the Russians accountable. We'd been cleaning up a lot less of a mess. I wish he'd provided arms to the Ukrainians. I wish he had gotten out of the INF Treaty. I wish he hadn't allowed and invited the Syrians, the Russians into Syria. I, I could go on, but you've got a short show. Uh, the, the failures of the previous administration allowed the Russians a lot of space to move. We've pushed back. We've sanctioned more Russians than any other administration in history. I, I, I'll take a back seat to no one with respect to what our administration and President Trump has done to hold Vladimir Putin accountable when he's engaged in malign activity. And should we find out that there's evidence that he's putting our soldiers, sailors, airmen, and Marines at risk anywhere in the world, including in Afghanistan, I am very confident, confident that President Trump will direct me and he himself will respond appropriately. We forget about that when it comes to Obama, don't we? How his America sucks ideology, how it allowed really, really, really bad people to expand and spread their wings around the world. Maybe it would pay right now to remember Joe Biden is a continuation of that. Who do you think Vladimir Putin is really rooting for in the upcoming election? I think we all know, don't we? Oh, yeah. All right, we got a fun show. We're going to talk about Russia and Russians. It's going to be all about grizzly bears and stuff. I don't know what's up there. I've never been. All that may have made you uncomfortable, but I'm right. We'll be back. Joining me now, president of the Security Studies Group and former Green Beret friend of the show, Jim Hansen. Jim, I find Russia to be a fascinating place. I've always found it to be a complicated, fascinating place. And I can't figure out how worried about Russia I should be as an American today. Everybody knows about China. They got an economy as big as ours, very aggressive, putting a bunch of attack subs in the water, so on and so forth. What is Russia now? Are they some old bully who's just rickety? Are they on the up? What are they doing? Well, they're definitely not on the up. Um, they're not quite rickety, though, and they still have as many nukes as anybody would ever want to have. So on the legitimate threat scale, they have the potential to be a, an extremely dangerous threat. Are they? Not as much as the left and the media want us to believe. And part of the problem is they are so deeply invested in the entire Trump-Russia, Putin's puppet smear that they started, you know, back during the transition, that they can't get off it. So they keep finding new and, and less innovative ways to pretend that Russia is the problem and that Trump is in, you know, Putin's pocket. And all of a sudden, at some point, um, we're all going to be drinking vodka and dying at the age of 40. Jim, what does what kind of threat is Russia to Eastern Europe? Obviously, we all know there's just a bit of history there, and it hasn't been good. Do they still have their eyes set on that, or is that just we all stuck in our old ways? We all think it's the 1950s again. Well, it's the 1950s, the 1850s, the 1750s. They got a pretty long history of empire building over there. So I don't <laughs> think they ever take their eyes off of Eastern Europe. I don't think they ever take their eyes off Western Europe. They'd love nothing more you know, than to actually have some sort of control over all of Europe. But they just don't have the juice to do it. You know, the only thing they really have right now is energy. And, you know, Europe would like it. They've got the, the Nord Stream pipeline is supposed to be coming online 
and sending Russian gas to Germany and Europe. And the problem with that has always been that's one of the few ways that Putin can actually gain some control. But right now, that's all he's got. He's not going to roll tanks. There's no actual empire building he can do in the short term. So the idea that he's a, a, any kind of a threat in a real way to Eastern Europe or especially to Western Europe is kind of a joke. What's the Russia-China relationship? I, I think in the minds of many Americans, and I've been guilty of this more times than I can count, we just kind of, because of the commie history of both of them, we lump them both together. We think uh, they're always kind of joined. I'm sure they're pals. I'm sure, I'm sure President Xi and Putin still have a steak dinner together every single night. But is that the case? You know what's really sad, Jesse, is, is the fact that you lump them together as commies probably escapes everybody younger than you and me because they just didn't get taught about the soviet union and the fact that they were the totalitarians who ran the planet aside from us you know it was a, it was a fair fight between us and the soviet union back in the day well we won you know because capitalism trumps communism and now trump trumps chinese communism so in the end i don't think the russia china axis is something that the United States has to worry about. Because first of all, Russia is not the Soviet Union. They don't have the power they used to. And the Chinese, much as they love to flex, they're still a lot of a, a paper dragon. You know, there's a, there's a big front they push, and they've done a lot. They are really, they are a danger to a lot of people. But they're not the danger that people want to believe. And the nice thing for us is those two distrust each other way too much to ever team up against us. Okay, they really just, now do they work together at all, Jim? I genuinely want to know, what is the relationship? Are they military allies? Are Is there tension there? Are they having border clashes? What is it? You know, it's not that they can actually be allies just because when you've got two actual imperial powers, you know, all, all the lefties love to claim, oh, America is a global imperialist, whatever. You know, we're not. If we wanted to be an empire, we would have a much better empire than we do. Let's just be honest about that. You know, there's a lot of places we could own just by deciding to. So the fact that we don't means the actual imperial countries, being China and Russia right now, they have empires. You know, they have areas that they control. Russia is acquiring territory in Ukraine. You know, they're doing stuff in Belarus. There's a lot of trouble they're causing in those areas. And the Chinese are doing the same thing. But because of that, they both see themselves as the real power that should be. And consequently, they're never going to get together in a way that's, that's bad for us. So, yeah, they may occasionally team up on more tactical things that cause us issues and that benefit the two of them. But they're never going to say, you know, the, the Russo-Sino axis against the United States is a real thing. Um, they hate each other too much for that. Setting aside Russia and China and America and all of the current events, just as a broad topic, is empire building wrong? You know, I got to be honest. I am a big fan of the concept of benevolent dictatorships, as long as I get to pick the dictator. You know, and I, got a, I got a very short list of people, including me, and that I would put on that list. So, you know, empire building in a lot of ways there are benefits to having control. You know, Tom Friedman made an entire living being the columnist who writes about, wouldn't it be great if the United States had the ability to make decisions the way the Chinese do? You know, because then you can do things, you can make big strategic moves, which we can't because we limit ourselves. 
So yes, there would be a benefit to empire building. And if anyone was going to have an empire, it should be us because we would be benevolent empirists. But I don't think that's the way things are going. And I don't think at this point, you know, it's, it's in a direction we should go. But philosophically, absolutely. Who's the next great threat we should worry about besides China out there? And I ask this for this reason, Jim. I'm always looking at history. I talk about history every day on my radio show. I'm always looking at how the world has worked. And there was always somebody coming that everybody should have seen coming and didn't see coming. And eventually Genghis Khan's outside of your city gates. And you're thinking, how did these scumbag Mongols get such an army? Well, since you're going to make that analogy, I would say the barbarians at our gates came out of academia, and they're right here. <laughs> the only existential threat to the United States is the American left. They're the only ones on the planet who can take us down. And it's about time for us to treat them seriously as the threat they are. So, you know, the, the bottom line for us, act like we're at war because they are. And, you know, everybody else right now, I'm considering national security to be an internal issue and it's the domestic enemies not the uh the international enemies that keep me up at night mostly loading magazines hard to argue with that hard to argue with that jim hansen security studies group thank you buddy always a pleasure all right we'll be back Joining me now, as he has before, Brandon Weikert. He is the author of Winning Space, How America Remains a Superpower. He's a writer for the American Spectator and American Greatness. Brandon, we're talking tonight about one of my favorite subjects in the world, and it's Russia. I find it to be <laughs> a fascinating, fascinating place, fascinating people, a rough history, rough yeah. people, what is Russia today? I mean, we know about the Russia period of the czars, which was a long, long right. time. And they moved from the period of the czars, and we had the commie revolution, 1917, and then those dirty commies took over forever. And then that kind of stopped, and it moved to an oligarch thing. What is it now? Uh, well, it's, it's kind of going back to what it was under the czars, obviously without an actual czar. Um, but under Vladimir Putin, he has basically reclaimed that position in all but name. Um, he has sought for the last 20 years to reconnect uh, Russia with what he views as the lost past of the czarist era. Because remember, when the Bolsheviks and then the communists came in, they basically cut off uh, Russia's historical roots in order to better foster their communist revolution. Um, interestingly, Vladimir Putin does not appear interested in denying Russian history. And so Russia is very much a sort of conservative with a lowercase c, nationalist, imperialist uh, power. Uh, they want to reclaim the lost Russian empire, which is why they're so fixated on things like uh, keeping NATO out of Eastern Europe it's why they're really trying to reassert their uh, diplomatic and somewhat military position in the Middle East. It's why they're also trying to get stronger along the Far East 
and why they're so heavily interested in developing the resources of the Arctic Circle. And it's also why they're so keen on challenging the Americans in space. It's all about reclaiming national greatness, and they think all of those areas that I just spoke about will allow them to get over the negative century of uh, communism. And remember, Vladimir Putin is not a communist. He may not be pro-American, but he's not a communist. He's an autocrat, um, but he very much wants to undo what he sees as the damage of the the hundred years of communism in in Russia. How much power does he have? Americans, 99.99% of Americans do not understand Russia's system at all. I would imagine they would think of him as some kind of autocrat, but do they have a house? Do they have a Senate? Do they have states? Do they have, what, just give me a, give me an idiot's version of Russia's government. Yeah, so they technically, they have uh, the Duma, which is sort of like a parliament. uh, And then they have, um, they have what they call oblasts, which are like states, those are provinces of Russia, uh, and and they have governors. But pretty much Vladimir Putin controls or influences all of those things in ways that an American president could never have influence over. Um, Vladimir Putin rose to power um, not just himself. He brought with him a cadre of what what they call Siloviki. And these are old Soviet era uh, national security experts for Russia. They were very hawkish. These were the kind of people who were opposed to Gorbachev. These were the kind of people who led the fight against Yeltsin uh, when Boris Yeltsin was trying to democratize Russia. Um, they're, they're nationalistic and they are more authoritarian. Um, and Putin was part of this kind of cabal and they were very much opposed to what the oligarchs were doing in the 90s, sort of spent the first decade of their rule in the 2000s trying to subordinate and control the oligarchs. And they have, those that they can't control have either been exiled or imprisoned or worse, killed. Um, And so it's Putin and this sort of cadre of like-minded Soviet-era militarists uh, who may not be communists. They really don't care about communism per se, but they do want state greater state control with themselves at the top of the the, the, the food chain. And uh, sitting above all of them is Vladimir Putin, who has managed to stay in power, I think, far longer than anyone thought he would. Brandon, whenever there's a dictator out there, if, if that's fair to call him that, at least something like that, whenever there's someone like a dictator, I always get nervous, not necessarily about him, about who comes after. Because you have somebody like Vladimir Putin, he's clearly consolidating a bunch of power in that one office. And then the person who managed to fight, and in Russia, I'm sure, kill his way into that office next time, may be a man that makes Vladimir Putin look like a teddy bear. Do you know who this person is or who this person might potentially be? There, there are a lot of spec. There's a lot of speculation about that. Um, I've written articles about this. I actually got into it with a pretty notable uh, Russia expert on whether. Basically, I said that uh, my concern is once Putin dies, he's old. I mean, he's got maybe 15, 20 years left. I mean, he's a healthy guy, but he's old, and inevitably nature will take its course. And the question that I had is. He's done such a good job at flattening his opposition 
Um, and I don't really know of any one person coming up behind him who could run it with the kind of iron fist, the kind of silnaya ruka, uh, as they say in Russian, uh, that, that Putin has. And so I, I speculated back in 2018 at the American Thinker that, you know, Putin, if he goes... Um, he might. There might be a, a secession crisis. We might be worrying about what you know, sort of the doomsday scenarios were in the '90s. Remember that film, Crimson Tide. The the context was a Russian civil war was taking place because there was a secession crisis, and uh, of course. Uh, you know, the, the some of the most of the Russian experts today say no. There's about four or five competent young people coming up behind him, as well as some older people who might be able to lead the transition. Maybe that's the case. But Putin's been very good about flattening opposition and then keeping his eye on people who could be competent successors. And I, I just, I don't know if there is anyone who has the gumption uh, and sort of that wily demeanor and the breadth uh, of experience that Vladimir Putin has had, uh, not just in politics, but also before that as a KGB uh, counterintelligence operative. Uh, and so I think whoever it is is going to have their hands full because there is there is going to be a secession crisis. Already today, you're seeing in the eastern periphery of Russia, there are riots and protests going on, uh, food riots. Uh, you have to the west in Belarus, uh, which is not part of Russia, but is very much tethered to Russia. You have the democracy protest, and now you have the repeat of what happened in Ukraine in 2014, where Russia sent these uh, unidentified little green men, uh, their soldiers without wearing any identifying marks to sort of bring order to Ukraine. They're doing it again in Belarus. Uh, on behalf of uh, Lukashenko, who's the pre embattled president there, because they don't want pro-Western elements in a country so close to Russia. And so Putin is very much worried that, that what's going on in his east and what's going on to his west could migrate to the center in Moscow. And so I don't know really any one person who could secede him, at least in the beginning. It might have to be a cadre of people, but it's going to be a secession crisis, I fear. And with all those nukes and biological weapons and you know all the technology that he has, destructive technology, if there is a secession crisis, you could be looking at a kind of apocalyptic scenario that we'd have to be worrying about here. How much, how much destructive capability does he have? I mean, look, I'm an American and I'm an idiot. I just grew up and just assumed it's always, there's always one mad general over there sitting on a thousand right. nuclear warheads that can end the world anytime they want. Is that reality or what, what do they have? Um, so basically since 2010, um, the former Obama administration, for reasons that I still can't understand, signed the New START Treaty with Russia, which basically allowed for Russia to modernize its uh, nuclear force at the same time that, if you remember, Obama was talking about sort of uh, lessening our nuclear force and certainly not keeping up with our nuclear force. We were letting the Russians catch up uh, the Russians have gone through not only an expansion of their nuclear force, but specifically they've worked on making uh, more amounts of their medium intermediate range ballistic missile, their tactical nuclear weapons, and moving them 
into uh, Russia-controlled Kaliningrad, which is right in the middle of Europe. It's a Russian enclave that's that they've kept since 1945, uh, even after the Cold War. And now today, you have in the heart of NATO, in the heart of European Union, you've got a massive Russian intermediate-range nuclear force uh, with, you know, God help us if a war ever does break out, because they're going to use the Kaliningrad to launch these weapons at any NATO force that's trying to defend Poland or, you know, any of the Eastern European countries. Um, and and so so Russia has a lot of a lot of nukes that they've modernized and and they've effectively made uh, combat ready. Uh, actually, when they're doing these nuclear tests today, uh, Putin has had uh, Orthodox priests blessing uh, the Russian nuclear missiles as they're going into these tests. Uh, and they're they're practicing targeting American cities again. Uh, they're also building out hypersonic weapons. They've built out, as we've talked about before, uh, Russian co-orbital satellites to hunt down our satellites in orbit and knock them out. Uh, Russia has incredible cyber warfare capabilities. They they have exercised already these incredible information warfare capabilities. Uh, to say nothing of the sort of asymmetrical uh, use of private military forces like the Wagner Group, which of course are not private, they're working on behalf of the Russian government. Um, but it's it's quite shocking actually. And then they've also begun to caught up with us in the use of surgical weapons. We saw this in the Ukraine and in Syria using Russian-built GLONASS GPS systems uh, to allow for more precision strike capabilities. They're still not where we are, but in Russia, it's sort of like the old Klingon empire in Star Trek. It's good enough to take on, uh, you know, the, the in this case, the Federation, the US. Uh, and so they, they've got a lot of capabilities actually, and they have a leader who I think is increasingly unafraid to use those capabilities. Brandon Weikert, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Well, that's not good. We'll be back. Joining me now is the host of This Is My Show with Drew Berkwist. Drew, you were in Afghanistan as one of the CIA super ninja spy types. Russians, did you ever run into any Russians over there or get any word of Russian activity over there? We all know Russia had a bit of a rough go of it in Afghanistan. I can't imagine they've ever come back. They, you know, they they weren't necessarily there in terms of their presence, but they had lots of influence in the region. Um, and it's darn good to see, you, by the way, Jesse. But yeah, the, the, there was there were there's a lot of Russian influence, a lot of China influence there, um, because because of where it is geographically in the world and the, the enemies on either side, but also because we are there. And if we are there, they want to disrupt everything that we are doing. Um, so they definitely have a hand in in different things that are going on there. Uh, to include some pretty bad stuff to to us, such as just you know, there there might be money passing around, there might be influence operations passing around uh, to help aid our enemies and distract us and weaken us. So there's there's definitely any time that that something happens there that puts us in jeopardy, that that weakens us as a state, or or can be perceived as the U.S. being weak, they love it. So. 
so Putin and them are they they're very aggressive with their their intelligence operations and how they do things and just you know rest assured any situation you're in Russia's usually there now, what does influence, I mean, Russia having influence in a place like that, what does it look like, Drew? Do they have a, a local city official bought off? Are they dropping off crates of missiles at a terrorist camp? What do they do? How do they do such a thing? Yeah, so it could be, you know, it's running source networks, people that have influence, you know, which, in, which would include, you know, senior ranking government officials, um, it, different intelligence officers there, people who have access to information, people who are working with or directly for or are them in, in fact themselves members of you know the Taliban whatnot just like just like we would any intelligence service would you're going to recruit bad guys to get information on bad guys um, and then you hope they, they they choose to stay on your side but 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 they do the same thing there it's 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 typical Intel operations so they will they will buy access to information to find out what we are doing how we are doing it so they can learn from it, also try and thwart things. And then again, anytime that they can be involved in something that ends up with mud on our face, it's a good thing. Uh, so they're, so it, it comes down to official, all the, and Afghanistan's a unique place because all the officials are bought off by everyone. And we all pretend <laughs> that we don't think it's happening, but we all know it is. And we, we turn a blind eye to it because they're being paid by every darn country out there. Anyone who's willing to give them money, they live in Afghanistan after all. So you're, you're taking money if someone gives it to you. Drew, what's it like? I mean, setting Russia aside for a minute, what's it like recruiting bad guys, working with bad guys? Is it exciting? Is it gross? Is it all these things? Uh, it's, it definitely can be gross um, for a multitude of reasons. But, you, you know, it's, it's interesting because... Uh, Afghans and, and, and a lot of these extremists, whether they're Afghans or not, whether they could be Al-Qaeda folks who have come from outside of the country, what have you, they're for rent. They're not for sale. And everyone is being paid by someone. And a lot of these people that you're working with, if they're a source, for example, are, are not good people. You're not picking people who work for the, you know, the, the boys choir um, and sing at church, which I, I don't know if they do there because it's a different, different thing. You know what I'm saying? So you're working with some, some, some dirty people, and you never know when they're going to change. And I've had friends who, you know, asked the, the, what happened in December and, and Coast, and you've seen it in the movie Zero Dark Thirty, you know, friends who were killed there because that guy ended up being paid for more, and he cared more about his mission uh, than, than helping and getting more money for his family. So that kind of stuff happens. You never know when it's going to flip and you go to meet someone and it's going to be a really bad day for you. So it is a gamble. It's definitely, there's, there's, there's a lot of volatility to it. There's a lot of threats that come along with it. And most of the time we're able to control it because we've got lots of money and they're scared of us. But there's some people who care more about, you know, the values that they are, extremist or not, and, and or someone pays them more that day. So it's, it's interesting. It, it can be hairy. Drew, what's the relationship like, if there is any relationship anymore, between Russia and China. I ask people this all the time because I can't, I can't seem to figure out what they are. Are they arch enemies? Are they friends? Are they friendly? Are they enemies sometimes and friends other times? I mean, all we talk about anymore is China. We forget about Russia. What, what's their relationship? I think it's probably more of, of the latter there, where they're, uh, they're, they're friends sometimes, they're enemies sometimes. So, you know, they're, 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 there's a couple common goals that they share. And one 
go goes nicely together and one doesn't. They both want to be the world superpower. They're all jealous of us because America's awesome. We've got unicorns, all sorts of amazing things here. And they want to be us. So they're both racing to get there. They're both spending to get there. They're both conducting intelligence operations and, and stuff all over the world to accomplish that goal. Um, so in that sense, they divert from each other at points because obviously there can only be one one king. Again, it's us, back-to-back -back World War champs. But um, but they then, you know, where they come together is they want us out of that top spot. They don't like us. That we're, you know, we're, we're obviously major enemies. There are times where we work with them as well, but we are enemies, and they are enemies in that sense, um, too, or they are they're, they're friends in that sense too, because they want us out of out of the pocket. So, so they're gonna they're gonna each try and chase that 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 top dog spot, and at which point they're on their own. But then, when it's convenient for them, and when they can make us look bad, when they can come together against us, they'll do it because again, they want us out of the way. Drew, I, I, please correct me if I'm wrong on this, but it doesn't seem like Islamic terror attacks are something they suffer from a lot of in Russia. I obviously know there have been some. It doesn't seem like there have been a lot there. Why? What are they doing? What are they not doing? Or am I wrong? And there's been a ton of them. Well, it, de well, it depends. You know, in Russia, you've got the, the, the Chechnya issue. And a lot of those Chechens now, uh, that stuff still happens there, but a lot of those Chechens now will come and fight you know, a lot of them were, were fighting with ISIS. You'd see them and come through Afghanistan. Those guys travel all. I mean, they're they're willing to fight. You pay them some money, or or even if you don't, they're they're going to go fight because they're crazy. Um, so you've got that issue there. But they these two governments tap things down so much better than we do. You know, we've gotten, and particularly under the last administration, we've gotten so apologetic for being awesome that we we all of a sudden stop doing things right and we we make up rules for ourselves to follow when the enemies don't. Obviously, extremists don't play by rules, and that's why this has been such a, you know, asymmetric and, and difficult war, and it's lasted so long, is they, 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 they just do things very, very differently than, than we do. And while we've adapted on how we respond to that in a lot of ways, we still have all of these rules in place where, like, well, they can do all of this, but you can't do that. Like, you can't hurt them unless they hurt, you know. So Putin does a great job of that, to answer your question, though, because he just doesn't put up with it. And people people know that, like, you don't screw around with Putin. Like, the dude's, the dude's a baller. Even though he's our enemy, he's a baller. And you don't do that. And the same thing with the Chinese government. I mean, there's, there's all sorts of data points there that you can look to where, you know, uh, you don't see as much upheaval there because they know what happens to those people. So I think part of it, that's a very simplified way of looking at it, but I think sometimes it is is the best way to just look at it is is they 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 tamp things down they say hey don't bring this here because we will come after you in a way that sometimes we don't because we fight all of our own internal battles here with the democrats and this that and the other so does russian intelligence still have a strong presence here I'm, i know they have a presence and obviously we hear in the news all the time about every every day there's a new chinese spy getting busted is russian intelligence here in a strong way yeah no they they definitely are all those all those main foreign state actors who are friends and foes alike, frankly, are, are, are here. There are other places around the globe where we are learning about those areas, you know, developing networks in those areas, operating in those areas, but also they're there to, to figure out what we're doing in those areas. Um, so they are, they are very active. You know, Russia and China in particular, very active all over the globe, including here. And it's, it's a big threat. And again, they... Our, our people are better trained in a lot of areas. We've got better equipment in a lot of ways. We've got a lot of better things, but where 
they end up being better and have more success in certain certain reasons or areas is because of that reason I talked about earlier, where they're allowed to play without as many rules. They're not handcuffed as much as we are. Um, you know, so uh, they are here. Be assured of that. Drew Berquist, appreciate you, my friend. Thanks for having me. All right. We'll be back. We have to keep our eye on Russia. I wanted to do this special because I find the place to be fascinating, and I feel like sometimes we do forget about it, especially people on the right now, because the media has so abused the word Russia, Russia, Russia. Now we all roll our eyes. They are a big boy. They are not our friends. And if China goes down, Russia's going to go back to being number one on that list of enemies out there. And Vladimir Putin, you heard him talk about it tonight. It might be worse if he leaves. We don't know who's coming next. We don't know what's coming next. And we really do not need a chaotic nation sitting on a boatload of nuclear weapons. How about that for a sunny thought to finish? All right. We'll do it again sometime. Your holster is way more important than you think it is. It's just way more important than you think it is. What, look, and I get that. The holster's not the sexy part of carrying firearms, right? You want to talk about your weapon and your ammunition. You, you want to talk about your safety training. You want to talk about how you did at the range. Oh, look at my groups. I was doing these failure drills today. And all that stuff's really important. I mean, really, really important. I'm not discounting that. But I've known so many people who do all those things. They take all the necessary steps, and then they carry with a holster they bought from a big box hunting store that was made a 1,000 at a time. Please, don't put your life in one of those holsters. You need to trust Northwest Retention Systems because it's all custom-made gear. It's the only thing I carry around. NWRetention.com. That's NWRetention.com. Use the promo code JESSE. Get you 10% off. Since 9-11, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation has been committed to supporting our nation's first responders and veterans. Heroes who put their lives on the line for our communities and our country. Heroes like U.S. Army Major Jonathan Turnbull. Major Turnbull sustained devastating injuries at the hands of an ISIS suicide bomber. The complete loss of his left eye, a puncture to his right eye, he needed more than 20 surgeries and countless hours of rehabilitation. Tunnel to Towers paid off his mortgage and gave him a specially adapted smart home designed for his needs. His home also gives him hope. With help from people like you, the foundation supports families like the Turnbulls. Join Tunnel to Towers in supporting America's heroes. Our nation's catastrophically injured veterans and first responders, homeless veterans, gold star families, and the families of fallen first responders. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T, Dot org. 95 cents of every dollar goes directly to its programs.
The 2024 election is upon us, and now is the time to fight back against the war on masculinity in American society today. Thankfully, the patriots at Chalk, C-H-O-Q, are here to help real American men maximize their masculinity by boosting testosterone levels up to 20% over 90 days. I've been taking a male vitality stack from Chalk for like three years now. It is incredible. They are here to help make American men strong again. Testosterone testosterone fueled again maximize your masculinity today at choq.com use the code jesse for a massive discount on any chalk subscription for life choq.com code jesse limited time offer subscription cancelable at any time Hollywood is under siege from external forces. The same Hollywood that sold the American dream is now making nightmares a reality. Many major films make choices to appease the Chinese Communist Party to be distributed in China. Join Tiffany Meyer, an investigative reporter in Hollywood Takeover. Brought to you by the Epic Times, where she reveals how the CCP exerts control over some major studios. Don't miss the most important documentary about Hollywood yet. For a limited time, watch the first 10 minutes for free at hollywoodtakeover.com slash jesse. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details.